the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Michael Oxentanko's message today is entitled A Year for Grace. Now, we hope you enjoyed today's broadcast. Remember, you can always listen to this message again in its entirety at reachingyourheart.com. The reason I mention that is that due to our time constraints, we're not able to bring you the entire message right now, but we'll complete it tomorrow. But it is always available at reachingyourheart.com. Let's get underway with the first portion of A Year for Grace. Here's Pastor Mike. Lord, you know the people who have come here today. You know the very needs of different ones. Some are seeking truth, not opinion, Bible truth. Others are seeking forgiveness of sins. Others are seeking something they don't even know, just peace within. Lord, we can't manufacture any of these things in this place. So we're grateful for Jesus who has it all. Open our lives and minds as we get into the Bible today. Take away the distractions of the world and give us Christ in his name. Amen. I'd like to start this morning by asking a very salient question. And it's simply this. What separates the Christian religion from every other religion on the face of the earth? Ask yourself that question. What is the difference between the Christian faith and every other world religion? And I'd like to posit what I believe is the answer based on Scripture. It's grace. It's grace. It's the truth that's not an idea, but a person. It's the reality we would have never figured out on our own, but grace knew it all the time. Not the idea, but the person. It's what we didn't know about God, but we needed to know about God. But more profoundly, it was the very God we needed to know that we didn't know. It was grace. Grace is the good news that is not good advice. I'll repeat myself. Grace is not good advice. It's good news. Grace is the good news that finds the person who isn't good and lifts that person to higher places, places of grace. Grace is the attitude of God that forgave us when we couldn't forgive him and we couldn't forgive ourselves or anyone else. Grace is that magic that broke into the darkness and said, let there be light. Jesus didn't come into this world to repeat all the good ideas that everyone else has said before him. He didn't come to be one more voice in a mixture of the maze of human opinion on how to get along and make it through life. Friend, Jesus came into this world to give us grace. You may live a thousand lifetimes, but if you never touch the face of grace, if you never feel the impact of it in your life, not a single day of any one of those thousand lifetimes really matters because the deep yearning of the life and the heart is the need for grace. When I was a young boy, I'm talking about that like it's ancient history here. When I grew up, I had bitterness issues. Anybody here ever had those when you were a child? Okay, a few of you, the rest of you are consummate liars. Just kidding. Of course you struggled with it. But I had real bitterness issues, and I had what you would call reasons for those bitterness issues. I felt that God had given me a raw rap in life. 
And, you know, Satan uses the pity party thing to fetter your life with resentments. And the chain of resentment becomes the, really the power of evil to keep you from knowing grace and God. And it was true in my life. All you got to do is harbor one resentment long enough, and sooner or later it makes you a captive. My mother struggled with mental illness, as I've mentioned before on many occasions. My father wasn't there either. I knew hunger and deprivation in the United States of America as a young boy in Appalachia. But here's what I did have on the road that led to grace. I met people in my journey who were fellow travelers on that road, not perfect people, people. And our paths converged for the better. And at the point in the road when I met the right kind of people, now we can all meet the wrong kind of people. Have you ever met the wrong kind of people? No, you have too. But when you meet the right kind of person, I met a person or two or three who left behind kindness, who touched me with kindness, and the rough road became a path of grace. You see, you may not be a profound teacher. You may not possess the ability to impact the world theologically. But if you have the spark of grace in your heart, if you have that spark of kindness in your will, if someone has touched you and it bleeds over because you can't hold it in to someone else, you can change the world by a single touch of grace. You may not know all the right things about prophecy, and we teach prophecy here. But you may not know a lot about it. You may struggle with the details. You may not be able to quote your Bible very well. You may never preach a sermon or even say anything profound that makes a difference in print. You may live a life that doesn't impact the world at all as far as the world is concerned. But if you find grace, and grace more profoundly finds you, and you hold on to grace, and you hold it close to your heart, you hold the sacred fire of life itself. And what you hold tight to your heart, you can give to the hearts that don't have any, and your life can have meaning. And the life that feels the touch of grace is the life that really lives because grace is life itself. One of my favorite texts in the Bible is John 10, verse 10. Take your Bibles and open them. This is one of the most important verses in the Bible. It's like John three sixteen. So I want you to take your Bible, open it, and look what it says. It says, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. And then Jesus says this. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I mean, why on earth did Jesus come? Friend, Christ came so you can live, but not just exist. Christ came so you could live a meaningful life that is full of grace. You see, it's a spiritual principle that God's grace brings freedom. Well, you say, preacher, I don't need to be free. I am free. Thucydides, the great Greek historian, once said this, the secret of happiness is freedom. The secret of freedom is courage. He was wrong. The secret of freedom is grace. No one has enough courage to be free because no one can free himself or herself from the shackles that are greater than the soul. Grace is that part of God that is not part of you that sets you free. No one has control of the chains that bind the soul because the chains that bind the soul are held by someone else. Someone has to destroy the power of the strong man in your life. In John 10.10, 10, Jesus said, I have come. 
I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. If you want to know the mind of God for your next year, if you want to know what God's purpose is for you, it's right here. God wants your next year to be a year full of abundant living. When all your efforts fail, when all your plans collapse, when all your resolutions are like ropes of sand, when every dream fails, when every friend forsakes, and every effort you make matters not, it seems, at the end of the road that's going nowhere, grace is the face that greets you with a smile of acceptance at the right moment of life, and it sets the captive free. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus' ministry begins immediately after his defeat of the devil in the wilderness. As soon as he puts the devil down with the word of God, he's on the road to make a difference in the lives of other people. The devil made a claim that was true at that time. Turn to Luke 4, verses 5 to 7. Absolutely true. The devil took him up. And that's a rare thing for the devil to do something like that, speak the truth, but he did here. The devil took him up, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a prick of time, the Greek says. And he said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it shall be yours. The devil had the entire world under his power. John's very clear that the world is under the power of the evil one. His kingdom is by definition the kingdom of the world. And his subjects live in slavery to him, but he's not free either. He's a slave to sin. He can't control himself. He does what it wants him to do. The devil offered Jesus the kingdom of the world if he would just bow down and worship him. Friend, he offers you the same thing today. Exactly the same thing. Bow down at the box office and worship that latest movie that you want to see. Kneel before the home entertainment system. Worship the money you have in the bank. Make that the basis of your freedom and acceptance. Praise the people with degrees and bow down to the powerful and the proud. Worship the divas, the dancers, and the demons of the modern music industry. Friends, Satan has a kingdom, and his kingdom is far from free. It's not far from any one of us. Satan's kingdom is the empire of the lost, and it's full of captives who don't know how to get out. Maybe you came to church this morning, and maybe you're a captive. Maybe you're struggling with those chains that just bind you and won't let go of you. Friend, Jesus came into this world to tax Satan's kingdom with the truth and to set the captive free. He came with grace, which is the truth from the very face of God. Grace that is the truth that sets the heart free. Now, when Jesus defeated the devil in the wilderness, he left the wilderness for the place he grew up in. He went right back to his hometown, Nazareth, Luke 4, 16. And we have him here beginning his ministry, announcing the new year of the Lord's favor. The Bible says he came to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, and he went to the synagogue, as his custom was, on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And some people say, Pastor Mike, why do you keep the seventh day Sabbath? Now, I could sit here and give you a very long reason for the answer to that question. I could say, well, I keep it because the book of Daniel predicted it would be changed. I could go to Revelation 13 and show you it's a critical issue in end time events. I could show you how the Bible says in the new earth, the Sabbath will be kept. But you want to know the most profound reason to keep the Sabbath? Jesus kept the Sabbath right here. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he kept it. What do Christians do? Don't they follow the Lord Jesus? 
Isn't Jesus the example of the Christian? Aren't we pattering our lives after his? It was his custom to come in on the Sabbath day and to hear the word of God. And I want to do the same thing. I want to attend church on the Sabbath day like Jesus did and hear the word of God. Why? Because there's grace in the day because Jesus is in the day. Verse 17, there was given to him the book of the prophet Isaiah. He opened the book and he found the place where it was written. Now, Jesus chose his verse carefully that Sabbath day. He chose to read from the gospel prophet to begin his gospel ministry for the captives that were inside the synagogue. You see, he was trying to set those people free who'd been captive to ideas of religion that had prevented them from knowing God. Of all the places in the Old Testament, Jesus opened the scripture to Isaiah 61, verse 1. Now, I'd like to stay right here in Luke 4, 18, because it's pretty much the same thing. It's word for word from Isaiah 61, verse 1. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Christ received the Holy Spirit before he was tempted by the devil. In the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus defeated Satan in the desert. Now, it's a rule that you cannot defeat the devil in ministry unless you defeat him in private first. Unless you get on your knees and you struggle with those things, those temptations that no one sees but you and God. You don't really make a difference in ministry to others. Christ had to deal with the devil in the wilderness before he could defeat him in public ministry. Jesus defeated Satan in the desert before he started his good news gospel ministry in the synagogue. Reformation and revival, I believe, are necessary in this church and the Christian church today. I mean, I don't know if you've been tracking Christian history lately, but the Christian church today has emerged into a movement that has pretty much set aside the Bible as the word of God for our time. They have looked to great philosophers within the church. They have looked to human voices to give them meaning and significance in a pathway instead of the diligent study of the scriptures. So we are living in a time where it is necessary for there to be reform within the church, a revival of primitive godliness. My favorite theologian put it this way in the book Steps to Christ, page 43. The warfare against self is the greatest battle that was ever fought. The yielding of self, surrendering all to the will of God, requires a struggle, but the soul must submit to God before it can be renewed in holiness. We are living in a time when the church itself must surrender to Jesus, and self is in the way. Jesus wasn't a sinner, but as our example, Jesus surrendered his life to God. He made a decision to die for the world when he didn't have to, so that we could live for God. So the person who is free is free to live and free to die if they really know that God is with them. So Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news of the poor. He has sent me. Friend, grace is not an idea. Grace is an ambassador who sets the captive free. God does not give us the Holy Spirit so we can preach to ourselves. God does not give us grace and the Holy Spirit to send us only to the sent. He does not pour his spirit out in the church to edify the frozen chosen. Jesus said he has sent me to preach good news to the poor. The Hebrew word behind the Greek word for poor is the Hebrew word for humble. It can be translated afflicted. Christ cannot save the proud unless God humbles the proud. 
you ever had a time in your life where you're just absolutely proud of yourself? I'm sure you have. You ever looked in the mirror and just felt, wow, I'm really something? You have. Every person has had a moment of narcissism, haven't they? Now, here's the fact about the matter. If you were to take that moment which you think you're really something, you compare yourself to someone who is really something, either more beautiful or more intelligent, you'd probably get pretty depressed, right? Human beings like to latch on to the notion that there's something in them that holds the key to their own future and success. Friend, if you chart your own path, you may be a success in this life, but you will not get to the life that's coming because the only way to get there is to know the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. And so you cannot save yourself by a self-sufficient stance in life. The gospel is not for the rich who think they need nothing. The gospel is for the poor who know they need everything. Everyone has to be poor in this way to be saved and rich in the things of God. That's why Jesus said, blessed are the poor. Blessed are the meek. And he could have just as easily said, blessed are the weak too. The word gospel in the Greek simply means good news. Now, some people have said, Pastor Mike, what's the gospel? And the most simple answer is the good news. Of course, the good news about what? Really, the good news about the person of Jesus, his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection. God didn't send Jesus to this planet to give us bad news. He came here with good news. Jesus didn't go to church the day he started his ministry there in Nazareth to proclaim a mournful era of more do's and don'ts that make religion dead and the soul rotten deep within. That is not what he is about. Jesus came with good news. Good news that is great news. Good news that is grace. The gospel is good news, not good advice. It's good news that takes a person who's lost on the road of life and it sets that person free. How many of you here would like to be really free? Raise your hand. Okay? Like to be really free? Have you ever tried to be free? Well, good. I'm glad you have. You can't succeed by just trying to be free. When you're lost, freedom is being found. When you don't know how to be free, freedom is a gift. For freedom, Christ has set you free, the Apostle Paul says. It's God's action for you. It's not your effort to achieve. It comes by faith and by will in that you receive that which God alone can do for you. That's why it's good news, because it comes with Jesus. Christ came to set the captives free. The Holy Spirit sent Jesus to the synagogue of Nazareth to set the captives free right there in the synagogue because it had become a synagogue of Satan. In Luke 4.18, Jesus said, He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives. The Hebrew behind the Greek translation says, He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. And the word for liberty in Isaiah 1.1 in the Hebrew is deror. It's a very special word. In Exodus 23.30, it's used to describe liquid myrrh. It means a free-flowing substance, a free-flowing substance so that you can move forward with freedom, so that you're uninhibited in life. Is used in Leviticus 25.10 for the great year of Jubilee when God declared that slaves were no longer slaves, they were free. The Bible says, And you shall hallow the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you when each of you shall return to his property and each of you shall return to his family. 
It was the freedom that freed the slaves and sent them home. It was the freedom that came after a long wait of 50 years when life was almost over. And when God set you free, that's when your life began all over again. It came when freedom is sweet and the time is right to be free. Friend, for freedom, Christ has set you free. Do you believe that this morning? For freedom, Christ has set you free. We're going to do a little exercise here. I'd like you to pause. I'd like you to raise your right hand. And I want you to shout with me, would you? Freedom. 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 Now, I want you to add a little something to it. In Jesus. Because that's how it comes. It doesn't come any other way. And it is freely given to us. The good news is for the poor and the captives. It's for people who feel overtaken by circumstances they can't control. Taxation or work situations or health problems. It is in Jesus that the soul is set free. The doror, the biblical word for freedom used here, is also translated in Psalms 84.4 as a bird. It's the word for a bird. Isaiah 84 verse 3. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at thy altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. The word for swallow is deror, and it means freedom as we have learned. Jesus came to set you free, and God sent him to make you free. For freedom, Christ has set you free. But it's not an ordinary kind of freedom. You see, with Jesus, you're free as a bird. Free as a bird, you can soar in life. You can fly because there's the wind of the Holy Spirit beneath your wings. It's no accident when Christ was baptized that the Holy Spirit came down like a bird because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. In the gospel, God does not manipulate his children to make them free. He doesn't force you to do that which is right. Now, there is law in God's order, no doubt about it. The covenant itself is law. But we are free to obey. That's why God cannot use force to motivate you to be free. He cannot make you take the necessary steps to be baptized. It must be your choice to do that. The good news is the truth. And the truth is the only weapon God has against Satan and his lies. Friend, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of freedom. Jesus came to set you free from guilt, from sin, from poor self-esteem, from condemnation, from your own failure, and from anything else that brings you down in life. He came to set you free from the lies that paint God as some tyrant that wants blood out of you on the judgment day. Jesus came to show that grace is in Christ, that he has come as the very face of God. And God was on that cross in Christ, forgiving you, reconciling you, not counting your sins against you. For freedom, Christ has set you free. In Luke 4.18, Jesus said, The Holy Spirit has sent me for the recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. That's Christ's mission in life. It is to make sure you make it and that you are free. He said, I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. There's a deep psychological truth in this verse that we must not pass over so quickly. It is a fact that blindness and captivity are really the same thing. If you are blind to God's word and truth, you're really a captive to the devil. Freedom is an idea of sorts. And if you're blind to freedom, you're really a captive to the blindness that prevents you from being free. What's the difference between a rich man and a poor man? I asked that question today. What's the difference? 
Well, you say, well, the money in his bank account. How many of you think that's the difference between a rich man and a poor man? How much money a person has? It's not the money in the bank account because a rich man can lose everything he has. If he knew how to create those riches, what makes a rich man rich are the ideas in his head. He knows the secrets to wealth creation. And you can take away his riches. They will come back if he applies those ideas that are in his mind. What makes a rich man rich is what's inside his head. The same is true of freedom. You see, it's not what people do to you. It's not what happens in your life that makes you free. It's what's inside your head. If you have Christ, if you know and you believe that Christ died for you and that God has forgiven you in Jesus, you are free. Free to live for God, to obey God to do his will, not to prove something to him, but because of what he has proved to you, grace has come to you. Jesus came to open the eyes of the mind and the heart to see God's grace, to see him as he really is. Friend, the good news is the truth, the truth that comes from God, that is about God, that is true in the heart of Jesus. That will complete the first portion of A Year for Grace. Today's Reaching Your Heart with Pastor Michael Oxentenko. We hope you've enjoyed today's broadcast. Remember, you can listen to it again online at reachingyourheart.com. You can also help this ministry with a financial contribution at reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com, where you can send your contribution to Reaching Hearts International, 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. That's 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. Keep that address in mind. That is also the address for the worship service every Saturday at 11 o'clock. And we hope to see you this Saturday. For Pastor Michael Oxentenko and everyone here, please also know that we do pray that God is reaching your heart. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.